pressing record now. Okay. Because we always have some, you know, little weird rando banter at the beginning. Yeah, unless nothing funny happens. Which is often the case, probably. Yeah. Uh, I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McLattery. And I'm Carly Knight. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. We're still at GDC. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And we've got Carly with us. Yeah. Which is awesome. Thank you for coming and being on the podcast. You're welcome. We're uh, yet again in our little hidden alcove. Yeah. Sitting on the floor, this taking is, a little break. Such a good way. find. This is real nice. This Unless is, there was another podcast here, we'd have to fight them. Fight them for the territory. We'd probably all both record that, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Clash of the podcast. Um, All right. So for uh, people that might not know, Carly, who the heck are you? Who the heck am I? Uh, I'm a sound designer in Seattle. I work at a studio called Camouflage. Uh, Previously, I've, I've only been there for about six months, so previously I worked at Fun Bits. Uh, just finished some work on Moss, and otherwise doing some stuff that's not announced yet, but it's cool. The fun, the fun unannounced stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say it's VR. That's yep. that's as far as it gets. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm getting super brain fart. This is the day three of GDC, trying to be intelligent. Yeah, I already <laughs> feel like a husk. <laughs> we did so we did our live podcast last night which I guess will have released before this one yes and then I stayed there till like 3 in the morning oh yeah. at the place at Monument yeah after we were, you kicked everybody out we were just like watching YouTube videos and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah when I left you there was like a smattering a of small people small contingent left. of people that like left lived there and, were, there. There, and, and they were oh, uh, you guys were yeah. playing um, that Star Trek Bridge Simulator game. Yeah, oh, the guys that made they, that were did there. Did they have? Because uh, you do that in like Oculus or or was it Vive? They did have or? a VR setup. Yeah, I don't know who was actually doing it though. Okay, I did see a room off to the side, yeah. and I saw a glimpse of an HMD at one moment. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I should check out what's going on, and I <laughs> well, did not. One, and this is applicable to game audio. One of the guys there had made a player piano that played MIDI and also. Uh, had like this huge awesome screen across the front that played like visualizations and stuff as the player piano played its own played itself oh that's cool it was awesome that's cool yeah really cool he was one of the bridge simulator guys okay well that's like another thing he just just done on the side yeah it's crazy Hmm. wait bridge simulator guys and he like worked on that yeah I think it was the two people that made the you know the Star Trek Enterprise not yet Officially condoned. <laughs> it's not. No. Oh, I d- I clearly know very little about it. No, I d- I'd never even heard of it. Okay. I just saw. I was like, did you, did you get like, are they are they paying you for this? And they're like, no, we're not even really allowed to be doing this. Wow, <laughs> that's something. that's surprising. Like, I feel like that's like doing something. With Star Wars, you're gonna get like smacked on the head yeah, with guess, a lawsuit super fast. I guess they just haven't. That's weird. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully, just a matter of time. This podcast doesn't hurt <laughs> 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 somebody. Spur someone on to go do that. It was another very late night, and yep. I yeah. feel empty and hollow. And I know I'm not going to bed early tonight. 
already. I, I was a good little person and went to bed like 11.30 last night. Ooh. It's also because I got soaking wet and I was yeah, right. a sad baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like shivering during the podcast. Yeah, you look, I like, oh. yeah, I can't wait to like listen to the podcast later and not... Hopefully not remember how uncomfortable I was. Oh, that'll be horrible if that's the only connotation you have. Like, yeah. you listen to that episode and you're like, I'm so cool now. <laughs> you can just hear Carly's chattering teeth from the audience. Yeah. That was a super fun experience. Yeah, it was smoother than I thought it would be and a lot of fun. Anyway, so yeah, Carly, let's hear your life story. Why, uh, why are you a sound designer? What? Oh, why are you a sound designer? Yeah, that's why? a good one. Why am I a sound designer? Uh, I took an interest in audio when I was in school and took some of the like record engineering style classes and just kind of kept taking them and kept taking them and figured that that was something that I wanted to do but I didn't exactly know in what capacity. Yeah. I picked out a technical school kind of certification style school uh, which is actually here in San Francisco just down the street. Um, I went there and they had more of a focus on music production, kind of like electronic producer, which isn't what I wanted to do. Um, I really chose it. You're pretty good at it though, too. What was that? You're pretty good at it though. Oh, ah, Your electronic music's pretty sweet. Well, thank you. (laughs) I just, I I never know what I'm going to come up with. I just sit Mm -hmm. down and do music and... I feel like I'll never be able to make an album because of that, because I right. just have all these things that aren't connected just, to each other at all. That's okay. You need a producer. You just put it in. <laughs> that's where that's where I got where it, like I've, I've you know dabbled in music stuff forever, and then I just was like, I'm just gonna put it out. Like yeah. the, the the means you can now do that right with all the digital means. I'm just like, if I just put it out, then it's out. Yeah. Well, I do and have a friend who it, uh, has a label in Germany, and he's offered to do an EP oh, for cool. me. And I was That's like, cool. sure. And it's been a couple of years since I said sure, so <laughs> 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 maybe I'll get around to that someday. I have uh, I have a half-finished album on Bandcamp that's yep. just like was supposed to become a full album. And people have bought it and stuff too. Oh, really? Just, haven't got the full album now. I, so I did one of those two, and it took me a year. Yeah. And I was like, right, I'm going to bash this out in like a couple months. Yeah. And then my world imploded, and I was like, oh, right, that thing. When did I start that? Oh, my God, I started that a year ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, about once a year, aside from the EP request, he asks me to be a part of like an album sampler that he yeah, puts yeah. out. And every time I'm like, sure. And then I like, put it off for a couple months and then he's like during like the last week I'm like oh shit I have to do this thing like <laughs> put something together send it out to him and I still am not sure like how I feel about it by right. the time he publishes it so that's a nice little thing <laughs> that like forces me to do music once a year yeah <laughs> that's fine yeah I mean I guess I just like I don't feel like uh, it's it's as like important to me I just think about like all the classmates that I was surrounded by and it was like their life so I feel weird being like oh yeah I do electronic music it's just like a it's like a hobby for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but fortunately the school they do their education stuff and then they also do 
a business on the side, they tend to do outsourcing for uh, some video games and stuff. Oh, so cool. because they do that, a lot of their instructors would mention it from time to time. Yeah. And surprisingly or not, that was the first time I heard the concept of a video game sound designer. Yeah. Uh, like I've grown up playing video games and I love video games and I love audio and it just... I never listened to the sound of a video game and thought somebody did that. Yeah, it's I think funny. that's very common. It's, it's funny for me. how many people are like that. I think I did the same thing. I like, yeah. you know, did the music recording, then did some QA and ran into somebody I'd gone to school with who was already doing it. I was like, oh, that's a thing you can do. Yeah. I could do that too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's just, I don't know what, what was going on in my brain. I just didn't think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so once I got that like little seed of an idea planted in my head, I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So they offered a couple classes, like very basic intro to game audio classes that were enough to give me a very vague idea of what it entails. Mm-hmm. And the defining moment for me was actually one of the alumni of the school now is, uh, what's his official title? He's like audio supervisor uh, over at Double Fine, okay. which is down the street from the school. So we went on this like field trip and like visited him and he showed us his studio and the Double Fine studio and kind of some of what he does and gave us some advice and stuff. And that was when I was like super inspired. It went from, this is a cool thing that I think I want to pursue to absolutely like I need to do this and I can see myself doing this mm-hmm. um, so after that I just kind of finished up my classes graduated went back to Seattle and uh, had a hard time not finding any work for a long time <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing live sound too right yeah I was doing some live sound that's uh, one of the reasons I went to that school was I was doing live sound and I could kind of tell that I had some limitations in my knowledge and mm-hmm. so I decided that I wanted to go to school to do to learn more and maybe with that knowledge continue doing live sound. Right. Um, so I continued dabbling when I got back to Seattle but by that point I was like not invested in it anymore. Right. Yeah. This is just some work to do well. I try to do what I want to do. Yeah. And I mean, even still, that was like super on the side. Yeah. Like I was working retail at Whole Foods, you know, yeah. getting yelled at by customers every day. <laughs> oh, it was great. Did Not Whole really. Foods make, were they okay with your tattoos or do you have to wear long shirts? Oh, they were fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're actually one of the first jobs that I felt like there were no expectations about my appearance. Mm-hmm. Like I'm used to taking out, I have a lip ring, I'm used to taking that out. I, I kept it in, but I would sometimes opt to take it out because I got sick of people talking about it. Right. Like, customers would kind of latch on to the weirdest talking points. Weird. Yeah, like, the question I always got was, like, did that hurt? Does it hurt continually now? <laughs> like, ten years after I got it? I am in constant pain. I am in pain. My life is pain. <laughs> you don't even know the beginning of pain. <laughs> But no, they're they're chill. They're just you know a big corporation that doesn't care about you. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. In a chill kind of way. In a chill kind of way. <laughs> like, you do you. You can express yourself with tattoos and such. Yeah, but, yeah. like, don't form a union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was your, what was your, like, your first game audio gig then? You came back to Seattle. You were... Uh, I landed an internship. Okay. Which is... Uh, apparently rare thing like I yeah. I don't see very many internships some, um, some people have been asking me about internships here it's... at GDC and it's like yeah I don't I know of like one yeah like, in it's not... Canada or at least in BC it's actually kind of illegal you can yeah. do an internship but it has to be like a hundred hundred percent like verifiable mentorship really yeah, yeah. Mm. Like they're not allowed to do work that is mm-hmm. sold yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they called it an internship, but essentially I was like Working. a junior level contractor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was still paid oh, that's good. above, slightly above minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like I was doing it for free. So I think yeah. it's like once you're doing it for free or below minimum wage, there are requirements for you to be in school at the same time, right. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it was just entitled uh, right. intern, but mm-hmm. but not really by the strictest sense of the word. Yeah, uh, they were just looking for somebody to do work on the cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found out about that uh, right after I joined the Seattle Game Audio uh, meetup email group. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and Yahoo group. Yep, still going. Yeah. Still going. Before they had the Gmail counterpart, it was just Yahoo, so I had to make a Yahoo account. <laughs> it's oh, no. such garbage. <laughs> I still check it from time to time, and my email inbox is like, I have 100 emails, and it's all from Yahoo. <laughs> but yeah, the, the person who ended up hiring me had posted in there that he yeah. was looking for somebody, and um, he, he had linked to the application on the website for it or the sorry the like job description and the job description stated that you had to be concurrently enrolled in school mm-hmm. and so I was like fuck I can't do this like finally I found something that like I can maybe qualify for right. and like damn it I'm not in school yeah um, but I emailed him anyway and I was just like, I read through the job description. It sounds like something that I can totally do, and I'm really excited about what you're working on. And the only thing is I'm not a student right now. Do right. you know if that's something that's flexible? Yeah. Um, and he got back to me and was like, let me just ask. And he asked, and they're like, nope, it's fine. Like, ignore the... Uh, big, you know, bullet point on the (laughs) job description. Never hurts to ask. Yeah, and then I got an interview, and the interview went great, and then I got offered the job. Nice. And I went through the paces of, you know, I was this intern slash contractor, um, you know, working on a very, like, it was, I think, like a three-month contract. And then at the end of that they signed me on as a sound designer oh, okay. uh, and then I was there for a total of two years mm. until last summer when right. I moved on cool yeah yeah I think uh, for the most part like I hear a lot of advice of people saying 
or I heard a lot of advice at the time that said don't apply to a job if you don't meet all the requirements. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at the, you know that thing that worked out for me. And I was like, if I listen to that advice, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have got that job, yeah. and I don't know when I would have got a job. Actually, if I followed that advice to the T, I probably wouldn't have a job now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a, it's kind of like, it's hard to describe exactly what it is, but there's sort of a skill of figuring out which of the points on a job description you can ignore. Yeah. And which ones you're like, well, I'm close enough. Yeah. That it's still worth, like, if you're far enough out, it's like, oh, I've been working one year and I applied for a senior position. You're like, okay, well, that's probably right. not going to work. But, you, you know, you did the thing, too, of like, I'm just going to ask about this. Yeah. yeah. There's there's this one, one thing that I'm totally not don't hit but yeah I'll ask them right and then you found out that it was okay yeah I feel like that advice would work if everybody spent you know like sat down and put together really well thought out job description yeah but I feel like there's a lot of people reusing job descriptions for like not exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. or maybe somebody who isn't even the audio director Right, there's an right. HR it's department also like, putting it together. And yeah, yeah. And like, what, is, what, are, what qualifications should I put in this? Let's just read like, somebody uh, else's. Just, yeah, can really shut down like somebody that is really valuable in another way that the HR like write up doesn't even ask about. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, still could be a very valuable person that yeah, and can't, can't do these things, but can do these things yeah. for sure. And like a lot of the things you can learn really fast. Yeah, like for a long time I avoided applying for jobs that had a requirement to know whys. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I was, I had been using FMOD Studio for like three years and I was very, very comfortable with it. Like I knew middleware. Yeah. And, but I was like, well, I don't meet this requirement. So geez, I guess I'm not the right person. And then I started at a studio that is a wise studio and I learned wise in the span of like two days yeah so that's nuts that like (laughs) somebody who could be a really good fit yeah doesn't even apply because of something they can learn in two days like that sucks yeah um yeah when we're whenever if if we're looking I really don't think about the tool stuff that much it's like Mm -hmm. things that can just be learned yeah Yeah. I think I think that's a reason to not hire someone we are we're, I'm more stringent on like what is their taste like and yeah yeah the, things the, that are the more unteachable things absolutely those 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 hard software skills are like the easiest thing to teach yeah you know like because like, I can teach you a how to use another DAW or just, another middleware yeah like yeah. You're like oh I'm a Cubase user like well we use Reaper and Pro Tools we'll just teach you that like that's not exactly there's literally a manual (laughs) yeah and there's probably already going to be some learning process when somebody starts anyway because what if the way they use wise is completely different from your naming convention organization schemes like there's going to be have to be a sit down anyway Mm -hmm. we've been doing a a bunch of stuff because we're the most document like light studio ever at clay (laughs) and we've got a new sound designer who's starting um may have started by the time this comes out but we're going through and documenting a bunch of stuff of how we're doing stuff in some of the projects mm-hmm. in, in FMOD was like oh right well we all know this because we've just been doing it but the new person is going to have no idea how we're doing 
this particular system. Right. I guess we should write that down so that they can at least just read all of this first. Right. Yeah. You know, so here's a depository of how you do each thing because you're not going to remember immediately how to do each of these things. Yeah. You know, I'm on a three-person audio team now, and if one person spends a lot of time on a feature or a tool, we'll write a Confluence page. Yeah. And the okay. other person, the other people in their free time can just, like, peruse it or if they take over that feature you know whatever yeah they don't have to hunt the other person down and be like hey spend 30 minutes to an hour walking me through this yeah um another thing that we've talked about doing and we haven't started doing yet but you know wise has a feature where with like sound objects and containers and such you have a little note field yeah and Mm -hmm. it's it's really good if you're doing something that's kind of weird, yeah, because yeah. everybody does different things, they have different <laughs> methods, especially in Wise, where there's like so many ways to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to try. Fingers crossed, we like actually do it. Uh, to anytime we do something like kind of weird or kind of hard to find or like make visible, just write it down. Like this that's... is what I did. This is why. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you don't know if like something's weird because somebody made a mistake or they were in a hurry and it needs to be refactored or yeah. because there's a very, very good reason for it. Maybe they were sick that day and you can't figure it out. And, yeah. Yeah, but F1 has the, has the same fields too. Yeah, I remember. I remember and, and the little limb field on the, we, on the We've right. been talking, same thing we've been talking lately, like, right, we should all start documenting, using these, using these and just writing stuff yeah. in the events so that they, they're easier to understand. It's it's yeah. it's like commenting your code. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you know, much. which I was like, oh yeah, that's basically we're just uncommented code all over the place. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the person who suggested doing that is RJ Mattingly, right. which totally yeah. makes sense because he codes. And yeah, right. It's just like such a part of the process is like, Do you are, you know your you're not, yeah, you know you're not the only person who's going to look at that. Mm-hmm. You know you need to relay some information to somebody, whoever. Yeah, yeah. And or so you just the, do a little double slash. Yeah, or there's the theoretical you get hit by a bus. Yeah. yeah. yeah what happens when you're coming to work and get hit by a bus? Yeah. How much information is lost if I get hit by a bus tomorrow? Yeah. It's probably like a, a lot. Good yet sad analogy. <laughs> there is probably a heck of a lot of stuff that uh, at my work people are like, I don't know what he was doing here. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I feel like yeah. taking the time to actually explain, as you're saying, what you did and why you did it. We, we don't really comment on much either, um, but I feel like sometimes you'd be like, wait, why did I do it like that? Yeah. And then like, that was, that was dumb. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be, like, it, even if you're the only person who will ever touch this thing, yeah. you're going to forget at some point or another why you did it. Oh, yeah. There was one thing in Fossil Echo. I don't know how, I know it's happening. And I have no idea how I did it, and I could never figure it out again, ever again. And it was something really cool. It was something pretty cool, some kind of dynamic ducking structure. Right. I, w- I was ad- it was adjusting the mix uh-huh. from the bottom of the ladder sequence, the fancy music sequence, to the top. I like I wanted the sound effects to be loud when you're at the bottom, and then the music to be at the top. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd put like a parameter on the mix bus volume control, but then I couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, and yeah. I didn't think, and I was like, "Wait, you can't! You actually can't put one on, put right. one here." So, I, mm. so it's happening, <laughs> but you have no idea how. And you never figured it out. <laughs> never figured it out. We never had to really. I mean, the game yeah. Shit, so. Yeah. And you never know. I'm in. A, I'm in a situation where 
we finally announced it here at GDC. We're doing a remaster of Mark of the Ninja. Um, ah. And so that's taking the old Mark of the Ninja designer, FMON designer project, and porting it over to FMON Studio. Right. And I'm having to open up this project that I made, mm-hmm. whatever it was, six years ago, oh. and being like, what the heck was that? Why, why did I do this? What was this? Yeah. Like, that's, that's even my own... I was the only one that worked on that project. Well, and you were kind of new. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, was, I was learning a lot of designers yeah. through that, yeah. that project. Yeah, that's going to so, be... And man, we were doing some some kind of funny stuff, and you know, we made the whole like two D obstruction system. Yeah. But that sort of doesn't exist in studio now, and the music mm-hmm. system doesn't exist in studio. So I gotta like figure out how to remake that. But I'm like, I, I wish I'd put some notes in that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you never you never know when you're gonna you're gonna revisit your old phone projects. You're gonna inherit yeah. something from somebody else's. Yeah. You know. There's... That's why. Yeah, Ableton. If you don't do a collect all and save. Can just ruin your life once, that, like, like the Rogue Legacy album. Those sessions are useless. Like you can't really open them. Yeah. Oh, because you're, you have media from media elsewhere. Media from elsewhere that yeah. knows where it is now. Yeah, I have in every dies now. I just have that preference checked of like copy the media into yeah. a folder, which is like bad because it's taking up so much space. Like I have so much copied media everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I don't care. But. Anymore. But it also it's, means that it I can. It's its own little thing. It's its own thing, and I can access it whenever, yeah. whenever I want. Yeah. It makes me want to like search my like main DAW folder of like all my sessions, and what is the file that exists like the most times? Oh. <laughs> you know, what have I used yeah. like the most? And like, you oh, know, that that's me, like fifty. Could, that file is fifty times. I guess what what the thing for me is it would be anything from that polarity sound effect library yep. Matia. that yeah. Matia Chilato did yeah. I use that all day every day yep. yeah like so much I'm I'm positive if I were to do a search of me mine's probably there. boom libraries something uh, impact low deep <laughs> just that, that low deep clean the clean one yep. clean the one that's like <laughs> It's just like the movie sound, but yeah. yeah, it layers in so nice to everything. You gotta have that that nice kick, yeah. the nice like sharp transient. Mm, it's probably no. the most cliched sound I use frequently. Yeah, yeah. Mine's probably a rabbit ears swish sound. Yeah, the the, the quick bamboo. Quick bamboo. Okay. There's like there's like fast, slow, and multiple, and it's probably the the fast bamboo swish. Right. I've used that a heck of a lot. Yeah. And there are a lot of my own sounds that I use. All the yeah. Time as well. It's more fun to use your own sounds. Absolutely. I just, I can't, I don't have the opportunity to record very much. I mean, I can at home, but not in my studio. Oh, no. Yeah. Wait, wait. And I forget, when I do recordings at home, I forget to bring it into work. Oh. <laughs> so I actually have more, I have more sounds at home than, right. than I do at work, which yeah. is kind of dumb. Matt. Yes. Got good news. Great. We're a real podcast now. We are? Because we have a discount code for something. That I think that makes us pretty legit. Yeah. That's, you're not a real podcast. Do you have one of those? Yeah. What is it for? Uh, it is for Pro Sound Effects. Pro Sound Effects has been kind enough to offer us a couple sound libraries in exchange for this, the ad. And for everybody listening, they've also given us the discount code. So let's get into um, what they gave us. What did they give us? This is a library from Ann Krober and Alan Spelt, who are quite 
well-known recordists within Hollywood and games. Uh, I've, I had the pleasure of meeting Anne at GDC the first time I went to GDC. And we were just hanging around in a bar, a bunch of audio people. Um, and this woman, who I've never met, don't you know, don't recognize, just starts talking to us. And she's like, oh, I always love love talking with you game audio people. You always have really interesting things. Oh, what have you done? Oh, I've done, you know, I've done some recording of stuff. Just a, just a few things. I did, uh, did some stuff for a game. Um... World of Warcraft. We're like, what? <laughs> she just tossed it around like it was just nothing. So she was she was incredibly humble and a really wonderful person. And and her work is is excellent. And, and the stuff she did with Alan, too, the recording and the movies yeah. and stuff, it's just phenomenal stuff. They're great recordists. Yeah, they've done some Star Wars movies, done a bunch of David Lynch stuff. Yeah. If so, it's good enough for them, yeah. it's good enough for you. So this is their their private collection. Since Alan has passed on and has started opening up their personal library of stuff to to be licensed out, so Pro Sound Effects has a couple of libraries. This being one of them, um, from their private collection of sounds, and it's like this isn't necessarily new stuff, but it's definitely stuff that nobody's had available to use other than them. Yeah. So it's super cool. They're they're all really good layering sounds. Yeah. They're 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 designy. A bit, which sometimes I don't like that much, mm -hmm. but these ones are designy and discreet yep. enough that they're really stackable, Yeah, which I like. So that's, that's what I found from working with them a bit too, was there, each of them was really cool by itself, but once you started combining them, you could you could get some really interesting stuff. They were all worked really well as layers within other things, so, so that yeah. was cool. So let's go over the technical aspects here. You get 42 sounds, it's 638 megabytes, it's 24-bit, 48K, which usually I'm totally not down with anything, not at 96, but I definitely found that this was still really workable stuff. Didn't necessarily need a lot of pitch shifting. It's, it's so. really, it's really more of an ambience library. Yeah. Usually if I'm pitching ambiences, it's going to be getting some verb drench anyways. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind it being 48K. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I didn't even actually realize it was 48 until I went and looked up the specs. Right. Because <laughs> I'd just been listening to it and been like, this is awesome. This is great stuff. Most of it uh, is longer files that would be totally loopable for ambiences and stuff. There's a few things that are more like long one-shotty things. But even then, there's five or six of that. Mm -hmm. So there's variety even within one thing that's like a one-shot. So which is great for game work because you yeah. can instantly take that thing, chop it up, and start making variations yeah. of stuff, which is super cool. It's kind of grouped into, not kind of, it is grouped into machines, mechanical, ambience, power tools, and voices slash beasts. There's a couple of areas in Hot Lava that I think I'm going to really get to work out with this library. So I'm really glad to have it added to my arsenal right now. We've got some dense, scary, mechanically industrial areas in the game that I'm like, this is perfect for this. Excellent. So so anyway, we're a real podcast. We, hey, have, we, have, we have a discount code. So the code is BEARDS. Surprise! Yay! Not BEARDS surprise. No. Just BEARDS. Just plural, BEARDS. With an S. B-E-A-R-D-S. Um, that'll get you 15% off at Pro Sound Effects on this library and the Stallion Library, which is another library from Which we'll go into more depth at another time, but it's yes. amazing. Yeah. So, thanks for listening to this ad. Yeah. And uh, you're a drummer? 
well. Yes, that is me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I have been playing for a really, really long time, so I kind of forget that I'm a drummer sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I definitely go through phases. Like when I was doing a sound job that was a lot more implementation than sound design, mm -hmm. I did so much more drumming. Really? Yeah, and then once I, like, I don't know, a year ago, I started doing a flip to a lot more sound design, and the desire is just a bit dulled, you, or like the need. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, I think it's more of a creative energy thing, like, yeah. if right, that's so even a thing. you're getting that creative energy is well, getting used up, and you're using it, so yeah. you have a lesson need to draw yeah. because you're getting that. Right. Yeah. And like if I if I'm not getting my creative need met, then I feel more of the drumming need. Right. So it's kind of unfortunate. Like I don't want my my day job to like make me not want to drum. But mm -hmm. it kinda happens. Yeah. Especially like my commute's kinda long and by the time I get home I'm just tired, and I'll probably drive my housemates crazy if I jump. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I could go, I also have a practice space, and I could go over there, but, you know. I've, I've never had a, like, a practice space or a, like, a studio space that's separate from my home, mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons I never really wanted that is because... Well, I, I work all day, I come home, and I'm tired, and then if I want to do something creative, I then have to go somewhere else, and I'm like, I'm never going to do that, because I'm just tired, and I'm going to take the lazy route and be like, well, I'm just going to stay home, because mm -hmm. yeah. I'm already tired. Like, that's, like, my fear. Like, I'm like oh, I'm going to, like, have a studio set up that I never use, because it's in a different location, and I'm just like, eh. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> definitely, it's got pros and cons, right? There's that whole issue, but then there's also the pro of you have somewhere else to go yeah, totally. yeah. and yeah. it's the process of going there that right. that gets you in the mood and it's nice and separate yeah and and you can and it's productive and you're not distracted yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. what you're there to do yep yeah i think yeah. the distraction thing is here yep yeah because if you're studio there where you're supposed to do your productive art is like three steps away from you know the Xbox or yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, my my drum set is literally like ten steps from my console. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm putting myself in a bad place there. <laughs> or the fridge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much do you think being a drummer informs your like sound design stuff? Like, I'd say it informs a lot. I mean, at this point, like I said, I've been drumming for. Uh, 16 years? Yeah. Wow, that sounds really <laughs> weird to say. Yikes. Um, and so it's like, you know, what what part is like me and my personality? What yeah. part is this mm -hmm. separate instrument? Uh, for sure, it taught me how to understand rhythm. Right, yeah. I mean, obviously, but you don't realize how much rhythm is in every aspect of your life uh -huh. and how much it's in sound design uh -huh. until it's it's something that you've learned to communicate in like you do yeah. as a drummer. Yeah. I, I definitely put a lot of focus on having a clear rhythm in my sound design mm -hmm. and that's something that's so natural for me, like I don't have to think yeah. about it very yeah. much. Yeah. A technique I'd heard of, I keep forgetting to try, but where... Um, 
Real was talking about it. They were doing it at Microsoft, and it was setting your editor to not use frames, but to use beats. Yep. And I, using a ten, designing to a tempo. I do that from time to time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't do that all the time mm -hmm. because uh, measuring, like if I'm measuring uh, delays and delay offsets and such yeah. for wise, I want to see it in minutes and seconds. Right. Yeah. Um, but there have definitely been times that I've set a tempo and I've even quantized. Um, kind of just for the fun of it. Yeah, yeah. But also, like I did it, I was designing a lot of like mechanisms and clocks for one uh, game I was working on last summer, Super Lucky's Tale. Mm -hmm. And I for sure set a tempo and I quantized to yeah. that tempo because machinery is yeah. the most rhythmic thing yeah. ever. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Yeah, but now that's... That's a good idea. I want to I wanna do some experiments once I get back to work and yeah. set a tempo for not machinery. Yeah, I have like a completely unfounded, no evidence, <laughs> innate bias where I just think like percussionists pick up sound design easier hmm. maybe than other compo other types of composers. Right. But I've not, there's nothing to base that off of other right. than I think, I think of sound design as very like syllabic and not musical, you know, like tonal, yeah, not, not super tonal, mm -hmm. and that's what drumming is too. You know, yeah. you're not playing notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would say tonal sound design is something that I'm not as good in. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, partly because I don't practice it. You don't, you know, you're not good at something that you don't do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But, but also, like, I wonder if it's because I'm not, you know, I've never been much of a, a melodic instrument player. It makes me think about, like, I come from a, a jazz and improv background, and mm -hmm. it, like, makes me think, like, well, I wonder how much that informs the way I work through stuff, because I'm, like, so incredibly home in an improv sense, and that's, like, I don't, to the point where I don't remember, like, I can't write a song that I'm going to remember how to play twice, because mm -hmm. I'm just like, right, well, I just played it. Mm -hmm. It's gone. It's done. Mm -hmm. You're like, what did you do? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Just played something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, would, it, it would inform it in a very different way than, like, you being a drummer and, like, really getting the rhythm of stuff and living in that world. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I was, like, uh trite, cheesy, I don't know, as it sounds. <laughs> like, we just roll around in life and collect all these things. And yeah. those things are are shown through anything and everything we touch. Mm -hmm. um, and I think being a sound designer is part, like, recognizing that and using it to your advantage to, you know, have your own voice and have your own identity. But, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to, at the same time, identify everything that, yeah. that affects you. And it can also be hard when it's, like, you're inspired by a bunch of video games and it causes you to make your sound sound exactly like those video games. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite other Carly-isms, not an ism, <laughs> is all your favorite plugins sound like death metal bands. Oh, yeah, you know. You want to go through a, a nice list? I think about you having that reaction every time I go I to use so them. I think it's so I don't know, Razor, Devilock... Decapitator, 
serum. I remember you just listing them, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 90s. It's not my fault. I didn't like, name them. I know, I know. It's just so funny that your default chain yeah. is like a 2000s new metal lineup. Yeah. You know, I, I should petition plug-in designers to use bubblier names. <laughs> <laughs> then I could be that person. <laughs> Bubbles, sparkly... Dinosaur. Well, that's kind of where we're going with our company, like branding, is we kind of want to be the, like the soft side of game audio because every other game audio, yeah, everyone is like hard hitting. Yeah. Sci fi explosions, whoosh, whoosh, past your face. Right. And so we want to kind of be like the softer company. Yeah. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, I was using plugins named shit like that, and I was yeah. working on cartoony games. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, how much Devil Lock is in Super Lucky's Tail? A good amount. <laughs> what, what does Devil Lock do? I don't know. It's like a compressor. I like it for um, if I have something that has a really great tail mm-hmm. and I want that with like the switch of a knob to, yeah. to come to the forefront. There was, um, okay. The Devil Lock is an emulation of the Sure Line Lock, I think it was called. Okay. And it was, it's like a, like, little, I think it was a little barrel that you'd put in line with on your mic cable. And it was a compressor. Ah, so it was just okay. meant to be like an automatic compressor that you can just slap between two cables and like, there, you've got a compressor. And it was mm. meant for applications where like, you know, you got a voiceover on a PA kind of stuff. Like, right? right you don't right. want to adjust them up there do that yeah but they found out when you drove the crap out of it it sounded really cool yeah so the the devil lock is taking that idea and emulating that and then extending it a little further adding a couple more features yeah it's it's very heavy-handed if you want to have fun just add more than one devil lock on something Uh. (laughs) like max it out it also has this like dark knob right just all dark, all wet. See what you get. <laughs> I, I always joke about uh, put L1 on it, put the threshold at the bottom, and print it. Uh-huh. And I just joke. Like, and I actually did that one time. And I was like, well, this is actually this is horrible really in a really interesting way. Yeah. Right? Just like the infinite amount of limiting that ever could possibly be done. <laughs> and I was like, huh. Okay, I could maybe use that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Like, seems like plugins are so much more aware more recently of people using them in the weirdest ways or like yeah you know here's something that we don't recommend to do because our algorithm starts to get fucked or you know whatever oh i haven't seen do you have any examples because i haven't seen anything i've not been looking at plugins much recently okay like one thing i was thinking of is um eventide black hole it's a reverb a very designy reverb Mm -hmm. and I read the manual when I got it, and they're talking about the size, and if you put it at a negative number, uh, if I remember right, I could be wrong, uh, they kind of recommended against it because mm-hmm. it could create like intense feedback and like something overflow, and it could just like completely fuck up your session. Sounds like uh, Matt's alley. Yes. Yeah. Um, I need to go do this. But it also sounds really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love the sweet spot of putting the size between, like, negative nine and, like, negative four. It just gets this, like, crazy resonance to it. Yeah. 
like actually the last I love it in music the last like mm -hmm. three tracks I did I just put that on my percussion track and it just gets this like whoop whoop like, oh really weird, yeah cool okay it's really fun <laughs> I love black hole um I know that uh, I was talking to Rob Lake or Riel like the voice uh what's his what's the lizard guy's voice in Mass Effect oh a thing yes thing Krios thing Krios his voice was like accidental. Apparently. It was, it was like, kind of like slamming one one plug in a little too hard, and it started started like weirding out. Thing. Oh shit! Because I, I tried really hard when I was in school to recreate that, and I got pretty close, but not with that plug in. Like doing it another way. Yeah. Um, by just like splitting the voice into yeah. different volumes, I think, or something, and then only putting yeah putting a tremolo like uh, that was triggered by a gate. I was doing a music track ages ago now, and I was had a just safety limiter on the master, and I was doing all this super low pitching, like as I usually do, just like yeah, take that, pitch it down two octaves, and then pitch it down two more octaves, and stretch it out very speed, and it, mm -hmm. but it was like basically getting into this sub harmonic stuff that just started destroying the limiter and making the limiter freak out and start doing this weird pumpy stuff that I'm like, what the, what the hell's going on? <laughs> This is really cool. Yeah. And I had to like go back and figure out what was going on and how to sort of separate it out so I could just do it to the stuff I wanted to, to right. do it to. Yeah. Like, okay, because now I need to write the rest of the track over top of this, but I can't have this having <laughs> happening to everything. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, if I make a sub bus this into then then redo the play, like, oh yeah, it's this it's this super low thing is just making the algorithm of the limiter freak out. Yeah. In a really cool way. I love that stuff. That so. reminds me, I have a, I have reason, mm -hmm. and um, I got it because I was learning it in school, and I, I did really like it. It's super fun. Yeah. yeah, and I was learning. You know, if you have the instrument racks and you hit tab, it'll flip to the back, and yeah. you can do the CV cables. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was doing that. I was making a big a synth with like a lot of subtractors and whatever I don't know and I somehow fucked up the CV I don't know entirely what I did but it caused it to just make this crazy sound like if I play like a chord let's say it sounds normal and like a chord but then if I let go just like expand into this like insane like I can't even describe it yeah but cool. I just like it's the one patch that I will open up reason to use right. and I made it by complete accident <laughs> which I guess I understand why people get modulars I know because That's it's like just the same about. yeah it's like the same thing I've only I've only had like one serious modular session in my life and it was still like when I was at school and we yeah. barely knew what we were doing but we got the coolest stuff yeah yeah there's nothing plugging things in backwards and there's nothing to stop like, me from plugging the things yeah. into what they shouldn't be plugged into exactly. the recordings I use right to this there. day I still use them the recordings from that frequently like, yes yeah yeah I can see I can see the appeal mm -hmm. I'm always interested to see with this advent of these more uh, software modulars mm -hmm. that are yeah. coming like VCD rack and uh, modular modular from soft limit or whoever they are camera. yeah no maybe whatever yeah there are like, a lot now how do those handle the stuff you're really not supposed to do yeah right right mm -hmm. like when I have a physical I can patch my modular anything to anything and nothing, nothing is 
going to stop me. Yeah. I might blow yeah. something up, I guess. But, like, <laughs> but I do this. So I'm always interested of like, how do you, how do you account for that in software? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I was able to do it in reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, anyway, yeah, what's interesting these days? Well, one thing that I did that I was doing some work on was, um, like, if I wanted to do vocalization-type stuff, um, what would be my process for that? And um, I ended up making a process that I ended up really liking, and that was um, using Polygon, which is a plugin by Glitch Machines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Glitch Machines. It's just like sixty bucks or so. Yeah. Um, really affordable. It's a, essentially a sampler. Uh, you get like four different samplers and. Um, you, it has like a granulizer and LFOs, envelopes, a lot of stuff like that. Um, so I really like it for just granulation, but it's also really good for a lot of different stuff. Um, so I recorded, I have a, a Korg Monotron, which is like a tiny, tiny, tiny mm -hmm, little mm -hmm. ribbon synthesizer. Um, super... It's one of my favorite things I own. Yeah. Um, and I recorded me doing, it kind of sounds already kind of vocally. Mm -hmm. um, so I recorded myself doing more vocally type stuff. Uh, just like a big, like, two-minute pass. And then I put that into Polygon. And I set, um, I set it to seek through that sample uh, based on key tracking. Mm -hmm. So I have a little MIDI keyboard, and so I, I hit the little keys, and it finds different spots in that sample to play back. Um, and then I, I don't know, I, I adjusted some, or I set some knobs on my MIDI controller to affect the granulation type stuff. Okay. So essentially, like, all that to say, I made something that could make very vocal-sounding but like not realistic things yeah. that I can perform. It's, it's basically an instrument that I can perform with the keyboard. So you can get almost unlimited variations from it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the last steps I did was I got a um, format filter that also key tracks. Oh, okay. Um, cool. So it's also kind of like... It's your balance. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So that's fun. Sometimes mm -hmm. I just open that session, like I don't need to use it or like make anything with it, and I just like play on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Like I'm not. I'm not thinking about the keys I'm hitting. I'm just yeah. slamming on some keys, and it sounds like a machine is talking to me. <laughs> yeah. So that's something I like that I did recently. The other thing I spent a lot of time switching from Pro Tools to Reaper. Yeah. And. Like between the two, or just slowly, slowly changing. I was very slowly changing, and then I made the leap like a couple months ago. Okay. Um, and I spent a lot of time setting up key commands that made sense to me, and uh, figuring out how I wanted to organize. And it's been such a lifesaver having a way to organize my my project. Yeah. Like I open up Pro Tools sessions that I did, and they're a disaster. <laughs> like talk about like being able to come back to something six years later, yeah. or even like two months later, yeah. and remember what you're doing. I. If I were to open up a Pro Tools session of mine, it would give me a heart attack. Yeah. So uh, 
out of self-preservation, I've forced myself to do a lot more organization and reaper, and that's yeah, been a godsend. Yeah, it's nice being able to put those things in folders. Exactly. Folders are amazing. Ableton just got folders and folders for their next version, too. Oh, so. nice. So that makes the session organization way better. Yeah. So I used to not even it. use the groups in Ableton. That's when I look at old Ableton sessions. That's what causes me to freak out. Yeah. Nothing's in a group. You can't. Yeah. You can't collapse anything. Right. It's just like eighty tracks all on their own, just sitting there. Yeah. One thing that used to tweak me out about Ableton, it doesn't make sense now, but I didn't like that it didn't def- differentiate mono tracks from stereo tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have either a mono or a stereo item. File. Right or a stereo file mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. right on the same track. Um, and I was like, that's weird. I don't yeah. get me, me, me. <laughs> but, but the like Pro Tools' insistence on differentiating the two is exactly part of the reason why my sessions were such nightmares. Yeah. Because I'd have to create tracks to split something and yeah. then to create more tracks. And I don't know. It's just so bad. So, so bad. So the fact that, like, with Reaper, because Reaper does the same thing, it doesn't differentiate mono or stereo. Or like. MIDI, yeah. Yeah. Right? It's well, just all the same, I thought. Uh, Track's a track. Maybe. Track a track. I don't do MIDI very much. Like, when I record yeah, I an instrument, I straight up tell it to record the stereo output. Right. I, I don't have any reason to hold on to MIDI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. What else is going on? What's, what's up with the GDC? Mm, well, this is my first GDC. It is? Yeah. Oh. It is. Okay. I just never uh, put much thought into it. Yeah. And this year I was forced to think about it because I was asked to speak. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give my talk on Friday. It's going to go great. That's a pretty great way to do a first GDC, yeah. being a speaker. Yeah, like, because I get no pressure awesome. because I didn't, like, dump a bunch of money into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get all access. Yeah. Um. I had an important-looking ribbon on my pass that said speaker, but I took it off because I was stressed out about people <laughs> staring at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you still, though, you, you have can't go into the speaker lounge, though. The different color. Uh, we have green. and other Well, have- you know, part, oh, of, yeah. part of my stress, <laughs> I peer pressured myself to take it off. Here's what happened. Um, I saw a bunch of people with the green pass. So, like, most everybody has the orange pass. Yeah. I just Um, noticed that today, actually. And then I saw that I had a green pass. So I was like, that must be the I am a speaker pass. Right. Um, And I saw a bunch of other people with the green pass, and they didn't have the speaker ribbon. Oh. And I was like, it must be really uncool to have the speaker ribbon on your speaker pass. <laughs> so I started getting really tweaked out about it, yeah. and I felt like I stood out way too much. And after I took it off, I realized that the green pass is also the volunteers wear oh. the green pass. So I just am Now you just can't go dong. to the speaker lounge. Well, oh, it, no, it says, says speaker. speaker. It says speaker. Uh, okay, okay. It's just not as obvious. Right? Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I hope so. You're, low, you're a low-key speaker. That's I guess cool. I guess. Under the radar. That's good. <laughs> I might put it back on if it's And then I gave you a Carousel Con speaker ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> I'll rep that. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, my GDC has just been pretty pretty chill. I, I get, like, overwhelmed with lots of people and lots of pressure and things, so... I, you know, add things that I want to do to my calendar, and then I see it fly by because I didn't make it 
Yeah, it's a tough time. There's a lot of sort of pressure to do all the things and like go to all the talks and all the events yeah, and see like all the people year. and talk to all the people. And it's like, mm-hmm. it can be a lot. Yeah. It can be too much. And you got to like, when you're, if you're here, you kind of got to learn how to like take a step back mm-hmm. and sort of chill out and like, that's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay that you're going to chill out and miss something. Like, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And the podcast record we had last night, and I keep getting people like, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't make it, or, you know, I had this other There's thing, no or I met somebody necessary. else, and, yeah. you know, I had a meeting, and it was like, well, whatever, no, that's cool, like, okay. yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do, and you, then something else came up that was cool that you did, yeah. or maybe that cool thing was, I just went back to my hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a cool thing. I was unprepared for the amount like how easy it is to bump into somebody i know it's crazy huh yeah i thought it was going to happen way less like you know i know that we're here at the same time but you know it's kind of a big area and people could be you know off at a party somewhere else like i just didn't have any expectation that i'd really bump into somebody but that was a total totally wrong yeah it's just (laughs) constant bumping into people yeah and yeah, I was late for this because I bumped into three people on the way to the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you if there's a talk you really want to go to, you like you're like, I gotta leave really early. Yeah. Because I'm gonna run into twelve people on the way to it that will make me late. Yeah. Oh, you know what I did? There's this talk I went to yesterday and I put it it was at eleven twenty and I put it in my calendar as being at eleven. Yeah. Uh, oh. Because I knew that I'd probably be late. Yeah. And I forgot about that. And I came at 1045 (laughs) and I was, and this was the first talk that I went to Yeah. and I was like, I cannot believe how late they're running things here at GDC. (laughs) Like, is this how it is? Like I've been, it's 1105 and the speakers are still waiting to get into the room. And it was just, I was, I was just too early. Well, well, I think we've. Should we enter there Got on it. that on that note? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that <laughs> works. Get to the awards shows. Uh, awards show tonight. Thanks for coming not. on the podcast, Scarlett. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Scarlett. Awesome to sit down on this and take some time out of GDC to spend with us yeah. sitting here on the floor in the back room. And that's that's it for this one. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.